Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm for people who party like Tyrion and slay like Daenerys. I'm your host, Ross Bolin, here with my good friend and co-host, Barrett Dudley. Barrett, just to be clear. Yes. Bran did <laughs> tell Tyrion about Jon's true parentage, and that's what Tyrion was referring to when he told Sansa, your brother did once tell me he wasn't a Stark, right? That is incorrect. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, that's not what happened. So, obviously, uh, you just but you just made a hundred thousand people super angry by 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 saying that again. I made a big little mistake, and uh, I yeah, a, a huge tiny mistake. Huge tiny mistake. <laughs> it was, it was the hugest tiniest mistake of my career. It turns out, as you and I were talking <laughs> our way through that, and uh, I, well, really, it's just me. You were right the whole time. <laughs> Uh, and I apologize for that, but as I was talking my way through it, I received no less than a million text messages, phone calls, uh, emails, direct messages, tweets, Facebook message. I mean, every possible platform that people could have hit me up on yes. to call me out. Mm-hmm. Oh, it happened, Barrett. We what? received, out of the thousands of hotline calls- Most of them were about that, I'm guessing. I'm going to say 95%. <laughs> So I'd just click another one, and it'd just be another person shaming me for being a moron. It was fantastic. Uh, in all seriousness, that really was like the funniest way to get feedback, just because people would hear us talking our way through it. You're screaming at your radio or your car radio or your speaker in your house or whatever, and then we finally get there. But so many of you had already sent your messages and your tweets and your emails before we get there uh, that there were some funny follow-ups as well. well. I apologize for that. That's on me. It happens. We've said it before, but but this occasionally happens on this uh, on this Everyman Game of Thrones podcast. It does. Where we have a little gaffe, and I'd say at least 50% of the time, we, we, we find the right answer just by talking it out give me the answer and so 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 always always the smart move is to give us a few minutes to work it out and then if we don't then you then you can call and and just bash the hell out of us just destroy me but yeah i mean my my i i like it it was kind of hard for me to to reply and 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 kind of talk thrones with the peeps out there uh this this last few days on Twitter because it my mentions were so overwhelmed with comments about uh, what I'm now calling the incident. Yes, it was an incident, and uh, and so yeah, I, I was I, I was seeing that, and I was like, oh my god, the hotline must just be an absolute just disaster zone. I just want everybody to know, I paid the price <laughs> uh, going through the calls last night to pull our hotline calls today was one of the more difficult tasks <laughs> I've ever had to endure in my short but difficult life. So I, I got I got mine. I'm just saying. I want everybody to know I got mine. I, I'm not I'm not saying that it wasn't a uh you grievous know a, error. A, a grievous error, sure. But I, I did also just want to step up to the plate for the for the pod before before we move on from <clears throat> the incident. We're one of the only major Game of Thrones podcasts that puts out that Monday episode. And by its nature, we we like to do the scene for scene for you guys yeah. as quickly as possible, which means that Ross is up really late. I'm sleepy. Doing a second rewatch, which I'm sure takes you like three hours to well, like. For these hour and a half episodes. Because, yeah. Especially because you're like transcribing a lot of the dialogue as well. I'm a little OCD about it. So. Yeah, you know, it Monday mornings we're both we're not a, at a we're not operating at a hundred percent is what I'm saying. Oh, I haven't been in a hundred percent since '98. <laughs> like those are tired mornings where we're just trying to like digest the episode for you guys. So we tr- obviously we try not to make mistakes like that, but it happens. So you know, at least it was a fun one. Yeah, and we all got some fun out of it, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. This episode of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles is brought to you by Lisa. Everybody has the right to rest, but the key to getting your best rest, of course, is the right mattress. Meet Lisa with two awesome mattresses, accessories, and bases for better, deeper rest. Their all-foam Lisa mattress is new and improved, featuring cooling LSA 200 foam for enhanced pressure relief for side sleepers. Or you can rest on their Sapira. It's their hybrid mattress, the perfect combination of foam and spring for pressure relief and edge-to-edge support. This is actually the mattress I chose uh, when I went to purchase my Lisa. I got the Sapira by Lisa because it is that hybrid, the combination of uh, foam and spring. 
and I find it to be the most incredible mattress and most comfortable bed I've ever slept on in my entire life. It's actually the bed Barrett chose as well. We both love our Sapira. If you're willing to shell out a couple extra bucks, the Sapira is unbelievable. The regular Lisa is fantastic as well. I picked it for my own grandma. Would I do that if it wasn't great? Absolutely not. Lisa's mission is to provide everybody a night's a better night's sleep for everybody. And from day one, they set out to create a company with heart. That's why they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell through organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention. And to date, they've donated more than 32,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofits. Clam Fam, get 15% off any mattress at Lisa, just for listening to the show for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. Go today. Dragon. Get your bed. Grab yourself a Lisa pillow and a blanket while you're there. They're also fantastic. We will be back on Monday, right? Because Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 5 Mama is going to air Mama on sita. Sunday. Five! I don't like saying that number. Do, Russ, do you know what that episode is? No. It's the penultimate episode. Oh, my God. The, penul- the, the last... The penultimate episode of the series. My God, Barrett. We've waited so long for this day. Yes. We got to make shirts that just say penultimate across the front. Yeah, yeah. Those would, those would sell like hotcakes. They won't. Um, but <laughs> but we'll have them for you and I, and that's what's really important. Uh, yeah. Yours can just say pen. Mine can say ultimate. I'm with ultimate. <laughs> and the other one says I'm with pen. Yeah, no, this is going to be another long one. Uh, D- Amelia Clark has declared that this episode is crazier than episode three, which... Barrett, I have to think that she wouldn't say some shit like that unless it was real. Yeah, you. It's always hard. It, it's hard to know because sometimes these actors get a little ahead of themselves with with just what we may or may not see. You're still gun shy because of the guy who plays because of your own great Yeah, yeah. When he was like, "I would be the greatest villain the world <laughs> has ever seen," and we were like, "Okay, you better bring it." And then the next season, he was like, "Ha ha, nothing." Yeah. Jack Sparrow uh, plus. Yeah. I have eyeliner now. We were like, oh, this is not it. So, you know, so I, I, I think I, part of that I think is definitely just hyping up the episode. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. What I think you're going to see is probably, I mean, it's Sapochnik's back to direct. Thank, so thank it's, God. So it's going to be some great battle scenes. And what I think we can look forward to is maybe more, I think there will be more, like, okay, you take episode three as the whole, right? Right. It's just like the cinematic achievement, basically. Yes. I think we're going to get more individual- Little smaller s- fights. S- yeah, uh-huh, and this one. I got that impression, too, that this is probably going to afford, well, first of all, it'll hopefully be during the fucking day. And it'll, well, and yes, I was going to add that as well. So we'll get to see things, and uh, more one like more of our, you know, individuals, fighting individuals that we recognize, rather than just being dead strangers. Or I, I mean, too. like- Clegane Bowl is all but guaranteed. Yeah, that's that. Ha- I mean, that has to happen now. Yeah. Otherwise, what's he? Where are you going, Hound? <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be. He's gonna be fighting his brother. So we'll be back in the studio bright and early Monday morning to record. After I uh, go through my process, Barrett, Barrett just described to you. Do my rewatch. Take my notes. He does the same, and and then we'll break it down just like we did with episode four this past Monday, scene by scene, pretty much, uh, and then just like we'll be doing for the finale as well. This again will be the final penultimate episode. The penultimate episode of the final season of Game of Thrones. We're huge on hashtag penultimate episodes. <laughs> this is our bread and butter. Uh, we assure you it's going to be a wild ride. So tune in Monday for that. If you need more OCC and you're still struggling with everything that's gone on, especially the past couple weeks of the show, you can get another episode this week on Friday. How? You go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. You join the Mollusk Militia. You're going to get access immediately to uh, last Friday's episode, right? And all the existing columns that are already on the Patreon page as well, all the written content that's already well, uh, that's already there. And then we're going to have another Friday episode next week, obviously, after the finale. Uh, you're getting five total additional episodes of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles additional and exclusive that aren't available anywhere else on that Patreon page. So go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Get that written content as well. And uh, the June content offering for our Patreon is going to be announced soon in the coming week. It is gonna, it's going to be dope as hell. Oh, it is. We excited. I mean, like, and I don't want to, 
look, obviously Game of Thrones is the is is the lifeblood of the universe, I would it's say. It's the lifeblood of my blood, yeah. <laughs> but it's almost kind of ex- like it's almost kind of exciting to that, to be moving into some content not Game of Thrones next month. It's and it's, there was, there still might be some Game of Thrones content because there's going to be that documentary well, and like for sure yeah you know, oh god you know, yeah. you know no but you and I have had very limited amount of time a very limited amount of time to discuss things not Game of Thrones on this podcast with each other right and it's right. going to be giving us an entirely new landscape uh, on which to play yeah exactly yeah yeah now that excites me that that <laughs> yeah yeah so stay tuned we'll announce our June content offering on Patreon uh, within the next week or so. We're very excited, and uh, we appreciate everybody who has joined the Mollusk Militia thus far. There are over a couple thousand of you. The community in there is incredible. The commenting, the back and forth between listeners and then us as well has been the most fun and unexpected part of Patreon, so we appreciate y'all enormously. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles to not only support the show, to not only support Bolin Media and Barrett and I, but get a ton more OCC content as a result. And uh, today, obviously, we're going to be doing our second podcast of the week, what we always do, our regularly scheduled programming. That doesn't change. Uh, We're going to field hotline calls from you, the Clam Fam, the latest and greatest from our hotline. We've pulled 10 calls. Our number is 866-43-CLAMS. You can call any time of day or night. For the love of God, we already fixed the Tyrion thing. (laughs) If you skipped past the intro, stop calling about that. Or tweeting about it, or doing any, just forget it. Have men in black yourself, <laughs> so that you forget that I ever made that mistake. Ten calls today, Barrett. Here's number one. Hi, Clam Fam. This is Tony from the San Francisco Bay Area. A quick question about a small mine in the last episode, where uh, it was mentioned that the new Prince of Dorne is um, throwing their allegiance to the Queen uh, to Daenerys. Um, are we going to see a new character with two episodes left? Um, is John going to go get those? Uh, are they marching with John down to Queen's Landing? What's the deal with the Dorn, uh, the Dornish army? Um, let me know what you think. Uh, thanks for uh, doing what you do. <laughs> the ending. Uh, okay, Barrett. Yes. What is the deal with the introduction? of the the reintroduction, I guess, of the Dornish with this talk of a new Dornish prince throwing his support behind Danny. Are we really going to see the Dornish come back into play here? You, you know what? I don't I don't think so. Um, I hope this not. is more kind of just... I, I, I'm unfortunately kind of lumping this into just like the sloppy writing where it's just like Varys needs to be able to say that there are people still supporting you. Like, let's, uh, okay. here's some other people that are also in the fold it would be real. It would. It, it seems like last episode was the one where they would have brought in the second sons, or brought in the Tullys, or brought in the Glovers. That was the opportunity, in, right? Or brought in the Dornish, or brought in like any of these other reinforcement, reinforcement like large fighting forces that maybe could like help them against the Golden Company, basically, and right. and Cersei. Like it feels like last yeah, episode w- was the one where you get all your where you get all your forces together. It would have been like, we're sorry, we're late. We're sorry for your loss, but we're here now. <laughs> you know, they yeah. would have rolled up after the Battle of Winterfell and been like, "We're here to help for whatever." They didn't. That didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know how we introduced the Dornish. I mean, it is a longer episode again. So it I, is. I guess in the first fifteen minutes they could like throw in a couple of extra armies, but yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna see like some new Dornish prince character in the Pop show. Up and get it. Yeah. Introduced. No, we uh-huh. don't have enough time. Uh, for a lot of people who read the books, this was exciting because there's some connection between a Dornish prince and Targaryen. Yeah. Uh, the Dor- the, in the books, I believe that the new Dornish prince has Targaryen, Targaryen or has Targaryen blood. Is a Targaryen blood, or has Targaryen blood. Yeah. And that comes into play or whatever, obviously would come into play. So yeah, but I don't think that's going to happen here. These people are not going to leave the water gardens to be a part of this shit slinging competition. If they do, it'll be very sly and they'll just be kind of like mixed in. If I had to guess, I, it would be shocking if we were like, and now this new handsome Dornish prince with Targaryen blood will be thrown into the equation. We'll see how this plays <laughs> you, out. I mean, here's the other question, and we kind of touched on this a little bit on Monday, but how much time will have elapsed between Cersei killing Missandei and them storming King's Landing or whatever they decided? To? Right, right. Like, do because to, because. At the end of that, John is still 
coming down the King's Road with most of the army. Right. So, like, do they do they have to wait another two weeks? Like, basically, you know, Danny's all talking about how she doesn't want to wait, but they got to wait a little bit. So that's that's kind of another part of that question. Danny is, already didn't want to wait. Then Missy gets her head chopped off, and now she really, really isn't going to want to wait. And the impression they give us at the end of the episode is that she's going to hop on the dragon. We're going to start next episode with her flaming King's Landing right from the get go. But I think you, what you said on Monday, was correct. That that's it's more of a a red herring than anything. If she attacks straight away, they're all dead. Yeah. So she has to have the restraint. Uh, to yeah, know I think she has to have the restraint to like w- to fly away to basically. pull back. Because if the dragon goes come back. any yeah. closer to that wall, I mean, Drogon's done. It's getting got. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot of scorpions pointed at his head. So, but yes, uh, I, I don't. As far as the Dornish go, I don't foresee us being introduced to new characters next week. No, don't worry about that. Next call. Hey, Ross and Barrett. This is Emily from Illinois. Um, I just started listening to you guys' podcast, and I love it. I've been re-listening to all of the Night Watch stuff. But anyways, I just wanted to ask you guys about what you honestly thought about the whole Jamie and Brienne kind of sex thing. I'm about to graduate college, and I've seen a bunch of fuckboys, me and my friends, throughout our time here. And honestly, when Jamie was, like, awake after they, like, did the did the deed, he looked like he had, like, regret on his face. And that's just, like, some shit that me and my friends have just been seeing and we saw and we've seen with each other and our fuckboy boys, but I just want to clear it up. Do you guys think that that's actually romance? I think Jamie like regretted it, and then this whole him leaving for the series is just kind of his like cop out. So, thanks guys for doing some great work, and yeah, have a great one. Bye. Okay, Barry. Before we respond to this, our next call actually plays into the exact same conversation, so I'm going to let that be a part of it too. Here we okay. go. Hey, Clam fam. This is uh, Hunter calling from L.A. This is like the third time I've called. Hopefully that's uh, not frowned upon. Um, Just have a lot of thoughts percolating. Uh, I was watching with my dad on Sunday, and I thought he said something interesting about the whole Jamie and Brienne love scene. Because for me, it just didn't make a ton of sense, and I kind of didn't like it, if I'm being honest. But what he said was that, you know, maybe Jamie kind of loves her because he's a better person when he's with her and there's an internal battle between him because he obviously loves Cersei too but he's at his worst when he's with Cersei so it's sort of an internal struggle between the woman who makes him the man he wants to be and the woman who turns him into you know the worst version of himself just thought maybe you guys would find that interesting maybe it makes the whole awkward sex scene a little bit less awkward but uh yeah just want to hear your guys thoughts Thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. Take it easy. Okay. To attack both of these at the same time. First of all, Hunter's dad, I believe, is a wise man. Um, I think maybe we were too hard on on Jamie and Brienne in this this scene in particular. Maybe the episode as a whole. Like, the sex scene was awkward with reason. And it was realistic as such. Because Jamie is still, and maybe more than we were willing to admit to ourselves, a very conflicted character at his core. The alcohol thing, them being wasted, the drinking, the the awkward drunkenness, I think you can attribute that to the fact that they just survived the army of the dead and everyone's getting housed. Yeah. Um, m- many thoughts here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get all of, them, them. all of them together so that I don't spend 10 minutes on this. But, yeah, I, I do agree with... Jamie being torn here. Absolutely. You want to be succinct. I, I do think that he very much cares for Brienne. And I'm not, I don't know if I agree that it, it was regret because I don't think that he felt that way until he heard about Cersei's impending demise. I 100% disagree that it's regret. I believe it's just conflict within him still. He's laying there thinking to himself, all right, I, I did what I've done. I've gotten to express my love to this woman, Brienne. But I still feel the need to go to King's Landing and take care of the Cersei shit. The other part is that it, he left it on this ambiguous note where we don't really know what he's going back for. We don't know right. if he's going back to like end things and get closure or if he's going back to like be right by Cersei's side. All of the stuff about all the hateful talk, all the talk about how he's not a good person. Uh-huh. Like, and he, you know, I, I think I heard this mentioned in, in, in some other uh, forums, but like Cersei's basically a drug. And so he he's a he's addicted to her, and it, it's just like that. 
it's kind of that masochistic thing where it's like he knows he's addicted and he it, and he knows it makes him a, a terrible person to right. to to want her and to go back with her and so he just kind of like feels almost like almost obligated to lean into being the bad person that's kind of what it is yes so I, so we don't actually know what he's going to do when he gets back um i i just want to add a couple of things to this one I, Given the short time frame of this season, I'm not sure that we needed the sex scene. Okay. Be- just because the those that whole Jamie Brand storyline could have played out over a third or half of a full season. Right. And it felt part of why it was extra awkward is because they have this really awkward like not that romantic night. And then within the next half hour, he's like crushed and is bailing back to King's Landing and is breaking up with Bria. It kind of spoils it a bit. So it, 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 yeah. And not to mention that two episodes before that, we get we had one of the most touching moments in the history of the series when he knights her. When he knights her, which was partially so impactful because these two people weren't romantically linked. Right. It was like they're on the precipice of being something more, but it's not there. And so it just, it, the, it, the whole thing kind of like contributed it to feeling a little rushed. I also think that him hooking up with Brienne, or Brienne hooking up with him, vice versa, at least on Jamie's side, was because he knew he had to leave, I think a little maybe, right? Like maybe he knew somewhere deep inside like this is just i'm going to have to close out this king's landing chapter of my life yeah. one way or the other i don't yeah. i don't know i mean i just didn't i i know the feeling all right that that our first caller is describing like all of his emotions all her emotions it just puts them in this position where i almost feel like they needed to get their first like hookup sexual experience with each other yeah. out of the way by lubricating it with alcohol and having it be this sort of weird thing. I mean, yeah. they've clearly both always wanted each other. And they, I mean, was it the smoothest, r- most romantic way to go about it? Absolutely not. But I was still happy to see them get their moment um, or a moment, perhaps their only moment, before it all goes to shit. And I'm with you, Barrett. I think in hindsight, maybe we could have done without the Brian Jamie love scene just because we did immediately ruin it by having him leave. I think their relationship was already at a place where it was clearly, it was strong enough, powerful enough to still break our hearts that he was leaving. Yeah. Without them having to have the awkward sex scene. But that being said, it is what it is. Yeah. And then final point, okay? he, You got to remember, Jamie rode away from King's Landing for one reason, to help the living in the fight against the dead. Right, mm-hmm. his sister told him, "We're not going to help those people." He said, "I can't fucking believe you. Uh, we have to go help those people. We promised." She said, "I'm going to kill you. Their mountain's going to kill you." And he was like, "I don't believe you again." And then he left. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That was why he left. That was it. And it was not that long ago that he left. He didn't leave with any closure at all. It was just that conversation. He walked off. He helped in the fight against the dead, and now he wants to go back. I don't think he was telling Brienne that he doesn't actually care about her or that, any of that. I think it was more, if nothing else, he was trying to protect her. How many times have we seen a good guy in a movie or a TV show intentionally break off their girlfriend in an effort to protect them? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a trope that does those type of dudes. Yeah, do, right? uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Anyway, I hope that was an answer to both of those calls, uh, a sufficient answer to both of those calls. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Postmates. The final season of Game of Thrones is over halfway gone now. We only have two weeks left. You don't want to miss a single moment of what remains. Lucky for you, Postmates delivers 24-7, 365 days a year, so you won't have to miss a thing. Just hold the door for them when they get to you. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever you can think of delivery service all year round. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Just download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates will bring you whatever you want within the hour. What about on a leap year? Oh, God. I don't know. Then only 364 days, I guess. Then I guess so. Yeah, they should include that. They should. But anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the known universe with more than 25,000 partner merchants. And for a limited time, Clam Fam Postmates is giving you 
$100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. That's pretty incredible. That's a lot of delivery credit. To start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app right now and use the code OCC. That's code OCC for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Try it out. You'll love it. It's incredibly convenient. Get anything you need, anytime you need it. Download Postmates and save with the code OCC. Next call. Hey, OCC. This is Matt from Shreveport. I wanted to see what y'all's thoughts were on the possibility that Sansa switches sides and her and Cersei sort of win the war and kind of rewrite history in sort of the way that when you win the war, you get to rewrite history however it was. That Daenerys had betrayed Jon because she found out he was the rightful heir to the throne and Cersei and Sansa defeat her. Uh, Let me know what you think. Love the pod. Barrett, is there any chance in your mind that we see Sansa, who developed such a deep connection with Cersei and learned so much from her during her time in King's Landing, even if it was like as a captor, uh, captee relationship or whatever, and that connection was based on mostly bad things, could she go turncoat and strike some kind of agreement with Cersei in an effort to get rid of Daenerys? No, I, I don't think so. Okay. Do, do you? No, I do not think this is a realistic possibility. I'm still firmly in the camp of, hey, guys, everybody relax. It's going to be fine for the good people on the good side. (laughs) This is all trickery and deception and red herrings just being thrown up in the air left and right. Uh, It's going to be okay. All the good people will make all the right decisions. (laughs) I'm serious. I don't know why I've landed in that group, but I'm in that group now. And it's the stupidest group of people in the world. It might be. It's not the best or the smartest. Look, man, I I don't really know what's going on with the Sansa character. Uh, She seems to have been utilized this season as little more than a plot device to like... Not a lot of depth to her. Basically ignite the resistance against Daenerys from the north. Right. For not that great of reasons, seeing as how... Daenerys hasn't really done anything but help the North so far, and she hasn't actually made any Mad Queen decisions yet, and she's been pretty much on the up and up for the entire season. And yes, I know, like I talked, I did get to talk to some people on Twitter about this. Like I understand the history of the Starks and everything that they've been through, their distrust of Targaryens and other people in general. Like, like I, I it definitely all makes sense. It, I just feel like it's weird that she's pretty much already firmly into the camp of throwing Daenerys under the bus and getting rid of her as quickly as possible, rather than being, you know, somewhere in the middle, more on the fence. Like, eh, like, thank you for your all your help. Still got to get to know you a little bit better. But, you know, so far, so far you've been you've been OK. <laughs> it makes absolutely no freaking sense that she wouldn't be more open to at least trying to get to know her. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's unrealistic that she would be very adverse to this new woman coming in, being queen, uh, taking her brother away from her. Uh, I don't think that's unrealistic. That's a real conflict. That would be a weird thing um, between these two women, these two girls. But it, considering the circumstances and everything surrounding them, I still have a hard time understanding why Sansa wouldn't be more open to trying to explore maybe having a relationship a positive relationship with his, her brother's uh, aunt, lover. I, I mean, like, what, what do you think Sansa wants right now? D- does she want Jon Snow, does she want Daenerys dead, Jon Snow to become king, grant independence to the North, and then they out? Like, I think that's, that's where it, it gets weird, because if the answer is yes, then it's like, well, okay, but damn, that's a little bit selfish almost. Like, right. not worried about anybody else at this point after everything that's gone on. And and I guess you'd have to give Sansa the benefit of the doubt that she's been through enough to maybe have earned that right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I'm with you. I, I'm very torn up about the Sansa character and where she's going from here. And I think maybe that's because she's torn up inside. She's got maybe two sides to her as well. Like, the side that Littlefinger trained that is supposed to be uh, looking at everyone as an enemy at all the time, fighting all the battles everywhere all at once. Yep. And then the side that Ned Stark raised, which is uh, maybe the side we're all rooting for to win out a little bit more, and so far, no luck, right? Anyway, next call. Hey, guys, this is Annie calling from Los Angeles, California. 
I was just calling simply because y'all said that nothing changed in the um, intro for this week's episode. But there was the, first of all, you could see all of the pyres outside of Winterfell. And then also the huge moment where they show the inside of the Great Hall or whatever they call it there. And it they can't, none of the cogs that are normally moving in there can even move because everything has broken down. So y'all somehow just totally missed that. But anyway, that was all. Y'all are great. Love this show. Talk to you later. Bye. Ah, yes, a clam fam correction. Thank you, Annie from L.A. Uh, we did blow it there. The intro had a couple changes. I'll be real. I noticed the uh, pyres, and I thought that was something that was there last week. I was very confused. Anyway, it, I knew the inside of Winterfell was jacked up, too, and I got scared to say anything like a baby. I, I don't... Okay, I'm just going to... I've got to be really real here. Um, I don't know how you people see this stuff. <laughs> Are you watching like side by sides to like pick out every single difference? Like I don't know. I, I, this these were more subtle. For I, sure. I, I mean, I'm not mad at y'all. Like it's great. You guys are big time eagle eyes. But I'm just for the rest of this for the rest of the season. I, I'm I'm not even going to address the intro because it's like 100 percent that I'm going to miss any little tiny. Uh, change oh, details. Oh, so it's on me and the minutia. Yeah, I know. But I, I, I mean, I, I seriously though, I, I, I just don't see this shit. What man. a great word, minutia. Love that word. But yeah, no pie. Uh, the, the great hall. I was like, oh yeah, that looked the same. That's tight. <laughs> it was basically the same. But yes, there were a couple slight differences. Moving on. Hey guys, Tyler from Chicago. <clears throat> One quick thought. Um, at the wall, Tyrion mentioned something to Cersei about her baby. Do you think that maybe Euron is going to put two and two together and start to realize that the baby is not his since Tyrion knows about it? Also, how do you think this is going to affect his loyalty to Cersei moving forward? Um, Thanks for everything you guys do. Keep doing it. Love the show. Bye. Go Pacers. Barrett, I noticed you... Did you just sneak in at Go Blazers? <laughs> go something. <laughs> Son of a bitch, he did. No, Go Rockets, good sneak. Uh, Barry, I'm going to let you take this one because I saw you on Twitter Yeah. Uh, discussing this very thing last night. Yeah, I, f- I forgot. This is something that, again, in the Monday morning haze, I forgot to add. But when I was watching- This didn't even st- hit me. But when I was watching, and Tyrion walks up and talks about the baby. Like, that's his appeal to Cersei is that he knows she's pregnant. Right. I was like, wait, wait, wait. He can't know that yet. How how would he know that? And his knowledge of that, shouldn't that tip Euron off that it's not actually his baby? Is that maybe part of the reason she kind of like goes like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. So, and well, I kept waiting for them to like maybe do a pan to Euron's and face like, with hey! like an inquisitive shocked look, look. Like, wait, like trying to like, you know, gears turning at the very least. Yeah. But they, they don't actually show him. They do show Cersei who's maybe... We get some kind of like facial reaction where it's kind of like you can't tell if she's if if maybe that's what's crossing your mind or if she's considering Tyrion's plea or if she's just you know being psycho Cersei per usual. But yeah, it was the latter. I, I'm I was I was trying to think of a way. I I I can't I don't know how information would travel that quickly because she tells him <laughs> what like earlier that day basically, right. That she's pregnant, and he looks at Kyburn, who nods like, "Yeah, she for real, she is. It's true." Right. That was after he kills the dragon. So, like, what within a day or two, like either the same day or within the next day or two, that they're there confronting her. Yeah. Now, the thing I could see them using as like a sweeping this under the rug is we have seen information travel very, very, very quickly. There are a lot of little birds that everybody has stationed all over the whatever the fuck. And uh, those little birds get people information sometimes at a much more seemingly quick pace than would be realistic. But I, I just, I don't, I think it was cool to throw like a, oh, maybe Euron will go psycho and mess this whole thing up for Cersei too mm-hmm. in there because I think that's a realistic problem Cersei would have to contend with, obviously. Um, and I like that, but I don't know if we're going to see it. I don't know if we're going to see it play out this way where, where Euron is now part of the problem well, for her. Well, so the way maybe I'm kind of thinking about it now is this could potentially play out with Jamie coming back. 
this is maybe a, a, the wrinkle that gets thrown into the mix is that you're back on, to the good side no uh yeah maybe or just creates uh, more complications in king's landing between within that little love triangle right. basically like euron thinks it's his kid jamie thinks it's his kid right does that create a like uh, the actual fight between them does it create one does it there are a lot of options a lot of right? options yeah does that's Euron, what i like would Euron care that it's not actually his kid probably so you know there maybe i Who knows? feel He's like nuts whether he noticed wh- whether he was tipped off by Tyrion knowing or not it right. seems like it's something that is probably going to come into play what i love about our spot that we are in now at the end of an otherwise, uh, for me, again, admittedly disappointing episode. Uh, I love the spot because there are endless, seemingly endless possibilities for what could happen from here. That's one of the greatest things about it. And right, for all the faults of the episode, it is still very exciting to go into these last two not knowing how they're going to shut this thing down. And with a whole bunch of clear options on the on the field, too. Like, you can see a bunch of different things that could or couldn't happen, right? We just named a couple. Will Danny flame uh, Cersei mm-hmm. go straight flame straight from the get go and have Drogon killed? Will uh, Euron recognize that Tyrion clearly knew about the baby beforehand, which makes Cersei's lie to him a serious problem? There's a lot of things like that. Will Jamie go this way or that? You know, is John going to get? Th- There's so much up in the air, and there are so many different ways that a couple different, several different plot points really could break, mm-hmm. and that's that's fun TV. So give it a chance, people. That's all I'm saying. Today's episode of OCC is also brought to you by Burrow. Burrow is rethinking how people shop for and live with their furniture by making high-quality sofas that are customized online, shipped for free in one week, and set up in just minutes. I got their original armchair with ottoman. The options I personally chose for my armchair were the color beige with dark wood and low arms. Like I said, you can customize... Um, really to your heart's desire. It arrived so fast, uh, it is incredibly easy to assemble even for a mechanically idiotic human like me, and it's quickly become the number one seating option in my living room for not only myself, but my dog Bruce. He thinks this is like his own de facto throne. Speaking of dogs, all their furniture at Burrow scratch and stain resistant so you can live your life worry-free. Built-in USB charger in this sofa so you never have to get up. Love that. And it's a sofa that grows with you. Burrows are easy to set up and disassemble, so you can also make it bigger at any time. Maybe you have kids, maybe you add another pet, and you need to get the couch a little bigger. Boom, no problem. And it's a fabric that's free of harmful chemicals, speaking of kids. And a frame made some sustain- from sustainably sourced hardwood. Compliment your sofa with four unique pillow collections. Pick your favorite style, uh, mix and match, mid-century, bohemian, industrial, rustic. They have soft, hand-woven fabric covers and plush inserts for those pillows. Burrow was recently named one of the best inventions of 2018 by Time Magazine. And you can get $75 off your award-winning Burrow sofa by visiting burrow.com slash clams. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash clams to get $75 off your order. Thanks again to Burrow for supporting the show. Hey guys, Ben calling from San Francisco. Uh, so during the episode, you know, Rhaegal obviously goes down and one of the following scenes when Danny's talking to Varys, Varys tells her, you know, I think you're making a mistake by potentially storming King's Landing and killing all these innocent people. Um, and Danny responds with, you know, she killed my child. What do you expect me to do? Referring to Rhaegal. And it kind of made me think of parallels between Danny and Cersei in terms of um, you know, Cersei has had three children all die. Danny has three dragons, which she views as her children, um, two of which have died so far. And when two of Cersei's children were dead, uh, later after that, she bombed the Citadel and killed a bunch of innocent people in the process and essentially caused the death of her third child, Tommen, um, and kind of made me think about how, you know, currently or Danny has two of her dragon or two of her dragons have died. One is left alive and is considering storming King's Landing, killing all these innocent people. Um, and I was thinking how just considering the parallels between those two, you know, maybe she does that and ends up putting her third and final child at risk. I uh, just thought it was kind of a cool comparison between the two two queens. Um, but yeah, thanks guys. Love the podcast. Ben from San Francisco, thank you so much for the wonderful potential parallel. In all seriousness, this is kind of cool. I had not considered that there were any parallels between Cersei Lannister and Daenerys Targaryen 
And there are kind of. Yeah, kind of a double Mad Queen scenario we got going on here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, where a lot of people are thinking uh, one of the other breaks towards Mad. I mean, Cersei's always been mad. She's been blowing people up for years. But mm-hmm. uh, no, it is cool that they both have the, you know, that Cersei's lost three children, that Danny's lost two, maybe is, had, just has this third one to lose. Right, and right. They've both kind of been broken more and more and more uh, towards bad or darkness, if you will. Every time they've suffered a loss, like the world has sort of shaped them into these uh, almost seemingly unhinged women that they are, right? So will Danny go the full nine yards and break all the way bad like Cersei clearly has at this point? Or will she stop herself short and make the right decisions? And that's what we're going to find out on Sunday. Just, uh, you know, just kind of thinking, you know, Jorah, got to bring him up. Sure. At least one time. Your man's for whom you rode. Per it's podcast, still, still, uh, I'm contractually obligated um, with House Mormont. Uh, you know, he always saw the goodness in Daenerys. And I'm just having a really hard time thinking that that's all going to be for not. for not. Like, I really think that in the at the end of the day, I'm, I'm struggling to see Daenerys go full Mad Queen here in this next episode. Uh, if she does choose to go that way, Go Dragon Queen. I don't care about you, 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 you peasants in King's Landing. Just kill everybody. Oh no! I, I, yeah, I want to see everyone die. Uh, I have absolutely zero. The people of Flea Bottom have never mattered to me. Uh, I've always been an elitist. I only care about the great game. Everyone else can die. Yeah, yeah. So no, I'm you know, 100% just with go, you. go, go get Cersei. So whatever, whatever it takes. I'm, I'm, I'll look the other way. I'm with that. <laughs> Next call. Hey, OCC. This is Matt from Freeport. On a call saying, where has all of Littlefinger's money gone? Has Sansa figured out this under-the-way scheme to make all of Littlefinger's brothel profits that he had and that he keeps flowing in come to her? And if so, is she does she have more money and more control over Westeros financially than Cersei? Love the pod. Matt from Shreveport, I believe you just made the show twice in one episode. That is like winning the fucking lottery. Um, so, we saw Sansa hook a couple people up, the Hound and uh, Tormund, with lovely northern prostitutes at the end of last episode or at some point there. Does this mean or imply that she has taken control of or taken over all of Littlefinger's, Littlefinger's brothel business pursuits? Maybe. I don't really know, um, but I can't answer you this. Does she now have more financial power than Cersei Lannister? Absolutely freaking not. No. <laughs> Fuck no. Cersei is backed by the Iron Bank. Iron Bank money is different. That's old money, baby. That's like wealth. But Littlefinger prostitute money is new money. That's just your bitch, new rich. Your That's nothing. I, I also... <laughs> Uh, okay, get 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 at me on Twitter if you want at Barry Dudley. It, do you, I'm not sure that. Do you really think Sansa hooked up those dudes with the prostitutes, or did they just have a bunch of slews in and around Winterfell for the party? And she was she noticed. She specifically pointed those girls to those two men. Okay, very strategically. All right, yeah, because she comes up and she says she would have made you very happy at least for a little while. Yeah, but 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 I mean. She could have just been watching. I, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I don't think that she is in any type of ownership situation with any type of brothels at this point. I think that most of Littlefinger's brothels were down in King's Landing anyway. Correct. And I'm sure that just like the GMs of those establishments just like picked up the pieces. I'm guessing yes. Kyber, very unlikely. That maybe Kyburn came in and was like, these are mine now. That probably would have, like nobody would have said anything. They would have the been like, yeah, okay, we got to listen to this crazy ass motherfucker. Um... So, no, I don't think that Sansa is in any type of ownership uh, st- situation with these, with the whorehouses. You don't think she's and, a pimp or a madam? And no, a... and I think that would go very much against her character as well. Right? Um, Here's how you can take this, though, Barrett. They were just sluts. They were just Winterfell loosey-gooseys. That's yeah, all. Yeah. So she just she pointed sl- a yeah, couple young ladies who wanted to get with heroes I, I can in buy the direction that. Yeah, of I can the guy. Buy, yeah, I can buy that, for That's sure. That's the more sellable version, I think. Yeah. Than me saying she full <laughs> full-blown hookers, but they might have been hookers. It doesn't matter. Either way, the point is, no, we're not going to see Sansa going full-blown brothel businesswoman here. This is, that, would not, that would not play well. And no, 
She does not have more money than Cersei. No one does. <laughs> no one does. Okay? The Lannisters are very much back in the financial power seat of the kingdom with the Iron Bank at their, at, at their backs. Next call. Hi, my name is Jill. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. And I just called to say that really today I was yelling. I mean, yelling at my radio console, listening to YouTube try to figure out the Tyrion Sansa conversation. Really thought you weren't going to get there. I was, I, I was a little bit stressed out. Um, but also, uh, you guys were talking about the dragons and what are they going to do with Drogon. And I am still fully on board with armor on Drogon. I think Gendry will make it, and I think she will fly into battle with a fully armored Drogon. And I wanted to know what you guys thought about it. Thanks. Okay, first off, I know I'm sorry, and, and I'm not joking. This was one of, like, literally 2,000 calls about this problem. This was just the one I picked. Uh, because... I was dying laughing at the end when she's holding on to hope about them armoring Drogon. Specifically, Gendry being the one to get the job done. We gotta bury the armor thing, folks. It's over. There's no armoring the dragons. We just saw Viserion get picked out of the sky like a fly. If any moment was gonna inspire you to not go near another enemy without armor on your dragon, it would have been that, right? Yeah, I... I, Drogon still posted up right there with no clothes on. You know, the show doesn't ever, it typically does not lean away from fan service, and yet I don't think it's, I don't think they're smart enough to have figured out this little bit of fan service, because it, it, this would make a ton of sense, right? Like, it's strap weird. up the dude from, because the the arrows are specifically aimed at the underside of the dragon. From, right. That's just how physics works. The angles, they're pointing, they, they, they point up. Yes, at the dragon above them. So it seems like you'd want to strap this dude, this this uh, this dragon up with with some armor. Were I you like about it. to say reptile. I, I, I don't, don't know what I was, I was. I was losing my uh, my words there. But uh, he's losing but his I, mind. I, I, I wish. I love the idea. I think it would be smart. Get some get some armor on this guy. And I'm reaping all the benefits. Yeah. No, it's too late though. Uh, we would have had to do this a while back. It's one of those things where, to me. The common sense move is to look at your strategic for your military forces. You go, okay, the most powerful, important thing here is these dragons. In this case, just one left. What can we do to make sure that this uh, this thing's this the balance stays tilted the way it is in our favor because of this dragon? Okay, we can protect the dragon by building out some armor. That's not a, a crazy leap to me. They gotta go. But it would have happen, had to have happened a while back. They they gotta. I, I just want to see some common sense play out somewhere in in episode, in episode five. Is like, that how, not the biggest problem? So how about far? you take the dragon way 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 up high, and then you come down vertically, because those scorpions on top of the wall, right? They can't point straight, straight up. up. Hell no. They're come being down there. on them vertically yeah. and, and and roast the hell out of those things. There are, like, there are a lot of common sense issues that have arisen over the past couple weeks that are the ones that are driving people nuts. I saw the funniest meme that I've seen, and we'll end this hotline call answer on this point, was <laughs> it's like a child's drawing, and at the bottom of the drawing is like King's Landing, and then way above that up in the sky is a dragon <laughs> uh, holding a rock, a giant rock, that he's going to drop, and then there's a bubble over the city that says, like, Scorpion Range, and it's like, okay, why wouldn't you just have Drogon pick up a boulder, fly over, drop it, go pick up another boulder, fly (laughs) over, over and over, until everybody bounces? Right? Boulder dropping, okay. I'm just kidding about the boulder. (laughs) Obviously, we don't want a boulder bomb, but... And again, the, the I guess the Innocent Citizens thing comes into play again. It's just, there's a lot of... Give us, give us some smart clever common sense plays on the good guy side please the, the bad guys are making all the right moves here chopping off heads they've got mountains they've got a hundred scorpions all the common sense shit that we've pointed out they've actually done yeah 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 it's time it is time writers to now let the good guys make some smart decisions please and thank you yes this episode of OCC is also brought to you by Manscaped. We've all had a patch in our lives, whether it's because of a dry spell or just general laziness or maybe our wildling heritage, where our downstairs mix-up gets a little out of control. And uh, in some cases, 
that can get a little gross and just it's just you need to be clean people take care of yourself do it with the right tools right for me my problem was always i would always uh, retire my old facial hair razor and then use it as my body hair tool that's not what that thing is for so you get nicks and cuts and snags that's all bad and these are areas where you don't want nicks and cuts and snags that's why you use manscaped the manscaped product line was created specifically for a man's distinctive grooming needs below the waist their lawnmower 2.0 is the most fantastic razor I have ever used. It's, uh, or at least for these purposes, it, certainly. It's rechargeable. It's waterproof. It's got skin-safe technology for a nick-free trim. The lawnmower 2.0 does. You can learn more about Manscaped's revolutionary products by visiting manscaped.com. Uh, featuring specially formulated products to cleanse, moisturize, and deodorize your smelly balls, Manscaped also offers tools to give every gentleman a close, refined appearance, empowering men by providing the right tools for the right job. Go to manscaped.com today. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Use the code OCC. You'll get 20% off your entire order, and your balls will thank you. Next call. Hey guys, big fan of the podcast. I really enjoy the analysis. Um, my name is Eric. I'm calling in from Boston right now. And just a quick brief thing that I wanted to bring up. Remember at the end of season seven when Jamie's leaving King's Landing and it's snowing? What's the deal with that? Did winter actually impact the King's Landing or is this kind of just a Night King, Night King kind of situation? Love to know what you guys think about it. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. So Barrett, now that the Night King is gone. Yeah. Does that mean climate change wasn't real? So, no. And I'll, I'll answer this because I, I actually re- I read a little bit about this. Mr. Scientist. Um, but, okay, the, the Night King and the White Walkers hadn't been heard from or seen for a thousand years at least, right? right. That's what we know from the, the tales that, that Old, Old Man, Man and, and Ned Stark would, would refer to, basically. Yeah, yeah. But... There were still seasons in the in the time since the last White Walker uprising. Right, just there were shorter still, or longer. There were still very very long. Like they they talk about like either the longest I can't remember which either the longest winter or the summer, which which I think they said was like three hundred years or something. Something crazy like that, yeah. So yeah, so the seasons still come in a way that is not uh, earthly. I would say okay, like the season. There's still going to be long summers and long winters. Right. Now that makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't explain away the, we did see the snow in King's Landing thing, but you can look at it this way. The Night King and his forces definitely uh, brought more intense winter weather with them. If not, Maybe they're not responsible for all of the cold, but they're responsible for bringing a more extreme version I, of it. I do think that is, is correct. Yeah, so yes. as they were pushing south to Winterfell, perhaps that push brought a little bit of a flurry Further south, down to King's Landing, but we never got full blown snow caps or anything like that there, right? Right, right. It was just some some light some light flurries, and that's as, explained away. Now say. the Night King is gone. Obviously, that push would have stopped, and maybe it's just normal winter they're going to have, or what? I, I also had the same question. I'm very curious as to what. I mean, was that the shortest winter on record? It was like 12 hours. Uh, is it summer again now? I don't know. And that uh, is something I'm I'm happy we got to discuss. Well, so and I mean. Look, let's not forget what the, what the words of House Stark are. Winter, winter is, coming. is coming. Like that, so winter does come. come. It does, <laughs> and then it came. Um, and I think I, I I would say I would, you know, say that winter is is still there. I think it's I think it is more wintry in Winterfell right now than it was at the beginning of season one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it certainly seems that way. I think the thing that had people asking questions was the King's Landing situation. Like, uh, Yeah. They expected us to get a snowy King's Landing or like an ice-covered King's Landing, right? Yeah, I, I think that snow like that in King's Landing would have been rare and that, that it was brought about by the Night King and yeah. the moving army of the dead. Okay. The uh, Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. But the, it's... Look, people also keep bringing up the vision... The uh, the vision that Danny had at one point of the the Red Keep with either snow or ash everywhere, and now that snow has likely been eliminated as one of those two options, mm-hmm. it seems way more likely that it's ash. How do we get the ash? Uh, it would tend to lend itself towards maybe Danny burning King's Landing. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Fire. I don't know. If you need more discussion about stuff like that, you're going to get it on uh, on Friday. Join Patreon. Here's our last and final call for this episode, though. Hey, Ross. Hey, Barrett. 
Um, love the pod. Keep doing what you guys are doing. I uh, wanted to talk about this, the theory um, I have right now with you guys. I uh, wanted to see what you guys thought of it. So, the dragon went down. Guess who we haven't seen in a while? Khal Drogo. Guess what Khal Drogo turned into since dying on Game of Thrones? Aquaman. Dragon goes down in the water. Khal Drogo walks out of the water as Aquaman. And he goes and he brings it to Cersei. And Cersei can't handle the fucking noise by Aquaman because she's not a superhero. She's just Cersei. And Aquaman comes and saves the day. I think it'd be a pretty sweet ending to Game of Thrones. Nobody would see that coming. Um, let me know what you guys think. Love the pod. You know, keep doing what you're doing. All right. Peace, boys. Yeah, Aquaman comes to save the day. I, I think that's the one ending that would inspire, uh, you know, zero objections on the internet. Everyone would be totally pleased. Everyone with that. would be totally down with that. There wouldn't be any uh, Reddit threads about it. No one would be upset. No one would be upset, and uh, and it would just go down as, you know, uh, one of the greatest show endings in history. It would pretty much widely accepted as a, widely as a accepted, perfect yes, ending. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think we're 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 likely done here for the day. <laughs> that will do it. For today's episode, but again, we will be back on Monday to break down and discuss the fifth and penultimate episode of season eight. We're in the home stretch, four down, two to go, and I am cautious, cautiously optimistic. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I don't think Amelia Clark would have hyped episode five like she did if it wasn't batshit crazy. I have a feeling we come back next week with our minds fully blown, right? So at least hold out some hope, people. That's that's all that I ask. In addition. To Monday's episode. If you need more before then, obviously we will be dropping our Friday exclusive and additional Patreon podcast on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash oysters, clams, cockles for five additional and exclusive Friday episodes of this podcast, plus written content and more. Go sign up, join the Mollusk Militia, support the show, and ensure that we are here to uh, not only continue entertaining you long into the future, but to be around for the spinoffs, prequels, sequels, and any other Game of Thrones related, A Song of Fire and Ice related content that comes our way in the future. Follow us on Instagram, last time, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Follow us on Instagram at oysters, clams, cockles. We're also on Twitter at clams and cockles. And you can like us on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I am Ross Bolin. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at W-R-B-O-L-E-N. I have another podcast called the Ross Bolin Podcast. It is my personal comedy and humor, but also lifestyle, mental health, substance abuse, life in general advice uh, show. The Ross Bolin Podcast is available all the same places that Oysters, Clams, and Cockles is available. Give it a listen. Barrett, where can the good members of the Clam Fam follow you and hear more from you? Personal social media accounts, at Barrett Dudley. That's two R's, two T's, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, check me out on the Club Cool Podcast, which is my pop culture and style pod. Pod. But both me brothers were soldiers. <laughs> I mostly just say that all day. So if you like hearing me say that, a Club Cool podcast, I'll just I'll just say that like ten times for you. If you want to crush your your ratings records on Club Cool, you really should just do an episode. The <laughs> ten minutes of you saying that, and I bet you I bet you twenty thousand members of the Clam Fam listen to that shit. Uh, but yeah, like if you're interested in if you enjoyed the Met Gala on Monday. Ah, looking the, at all the the, the, Met. the the crazy outfits and themes and all that. Well, we're talking about it later today on the Club Cool Podcast. Are so. you going to talk about how Jared Leto carried his head down the runway? We'll, 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 Will you at least consider it? I'll consider it, yeah. Please please do, because I need to know whether that was fashionably uh, a win <laughs> or an L. It seemed like a huge L, but I'm just, that's, yeah. Listen to Club Cool, it is fantastic. And follow Barrett everywhere as well. If you've enjoyed Oysters, Clams, and Cockles through four episodes of Game of Thrones this season, we would very much appreciate it if you would rate and review, specifically on Apple Podcasts, but wherever you listen, if there's a rating or review system, go go for it. Do your thing. But Apple Podcasts, being the biggest uh, podcast platform still, it's the place where, obviously, exposure is the most meaningful, and ratings and reviews go a long way to ensure ensuring that we continue to get that exposure. So if you would... 
Take two minutes, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, write two or three sentences about why you love the show and why you think other people would love it, and then be sure to tell all the Game of Thrones fans in your life about Oysters, Clams, and Cockles and what we've got going on here, because people are going to need it now more than ever these last two weeks as the wheels fall off and we as a society (laughs) become completely unhinged. That's true. Yes. Rate and review. We will be back on Friday for everybody on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. Oysters, Clams, Cockles, no and. And for the rest of you... We'll see you Monday. Good luck this Sunday. Adios.